teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. The shit show. <laughs> yeah, that was a shit show. Anthony? What, Morgan? I, that was scary. Woo. Hey. I have some advice. Okay. Lay it so, on me. what I have realized over time is okay. that words are a lot like toothpaste. Ooh. Okay. Because once the words are out of your mouth, there's no way that they're getting back mm-hmm. in. Kind of like toothpaste. Once you squeeze it out, there's no way in hell you're getting that back in. Uh-uh. Yeah, you can't put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste bottle. So you got to be careful how much you squeeze out at a time. Right. Right. And I also believe that once our words are out there in the universe, they're kind of not necessarily ours anymore because now they're up for public Crabs. interpretation. Exactly. Yeah. Luckily, I have to say, I... Haven't put much out on the internet. Mm. Um, We're very different in that way. <laughs> I know. It's like yin and yang. Yeah. Um, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Yin and yang. Yeah. So <laughs> luckily I you know, don't really have a lot of shit shows in that department. I'm pretty private when it comes to social media. That's going to change. That's going to change. <laughs> have, will there, have there ever been words out there about you that maybe you feel like are not true and they can't be put away? Um, I'm sure, yeah. Um, I When that has happened, I haven't had good friends to come back and tell me themselves. <laughs> um, do you remember Form Spring? Form Spring? Oh my God, Form Spring, yes, and you could write shit. Yeah, anonymously. The, oh God, why was that even allowed, first of all, and why was that in an age group I of was us just, at like 14 through 16 years old? Exactly, That it's the most dangerous Uh, age group that I think that could come out that caused me so many shit shows I remember going on my form spring and it's not horrible but it's still hurtful someone just said I looked like a lizard had like bug like frog bug eyes and it really hurt me yeah and you can't take that that back no well some there's a difference between like you know a gunshot and a bunch of little paper cuts and sometimes a bunch of little paper cuts they all add up to a gunshot eventually Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i remember on my form spring people were telling me to go suck big greasy cops (gasps) no yeah well well (laughs) (laughs) i mean here's the thing i've definitely put things out into the universe that i could not take back on the internet or to the universe It doesn't just have to be mutually exclusive with the internet, I don't think. I think that whether you write a song about somebody and you put it out there, or you write a tweet, or that's the internet, or you say something and it gets misconstrued Mm -hmm. between a bunch of people, I mean, I think it's always up for other people's interpretation. So, like, that's why people often are like, well, if the shoe fits. Right. And I think also just a spiral off of that is when people put things out into the universe like manifesting and they get it it's the cliche 
be careful yep. what you wish yep. for. Yep. Be careful yep. what you be careful what you wish yeah. for. Be scared. <laughs> That's funny. Because once good. you wish, I mean, it's kind of like we do that pretty often. Yeah. I wish for things to happen, then they happen. I'm like, oh, that's not exactly what I ordered. And you know what <laughs> sucks is that the romanticized things that I put out into the universe don't happen. No, I think that they actually do happen <laughs> to both of us. It's just the same sentiment. It's not what we thought it was going to be. Right. The grass is always greener. The grass is truly always greener. I mean, I remember one time, uh, this was a complete fucking shit show. I was in middle school and uh, my mom and I were in the parking lot and somebody tapped her with their car. And she was like, oh my God, I got hit by a car. And I went into school, I'm in like sixth grade and I said to the teacher, I'm like, my mom got hit by a car this morning. She's like, what? Next thing I know, all the teachers, are. I'm being called into the principals, are you okay? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. And then <laughs> next thing I know, she's on the fucking prayer chain. Everybody's pray, hashtag no. pray for Gina Lario, who got hit by a car in the parking lot this morning. I come home. She goes, Anthony, I've gotten 15 calls. From people think I'm in the hospital. They got hit by a car. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> what? I just threw my head back in laughter. <laughs> I have this story kind of similar where I was in second grade and I was like a total ham. Right. I was not getting the attention I wanted to that week. Yeah, like, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It was that two, week. That Tuesday. And I was like, okay, Monday was a bust. Let's see what I can do today. <laughs> <laughs> what can I concoct to get some attention today? I remember finding a photo of me on a pony. Show pony. <laughs> I'm sure you were riding that show. You've been doing it from a young age. And um, my cousin was, he was guiding the horse and i found this picture you know i, I was so so I, your cousin was in the photo guiding you on the horse like yes. standing next to you on the horse okay yes. and i found it i found it so endearing and i was like i could use this you could use this for some pity and so i go into school the next day crying crocodile alligator tears crocodile tears Croc well whatever uh reptile you choose for the day well a lizard because apparently deformed string yeah. that's what i was <laughs> you were crying your true form lizard bug eye tears okay and crying and all the teachers are you know consoling me asking me what's wrong i say no my cousin was kidnapped last night <laughs> and no you showed them the picture showed them the show pony pic Showed all my classmates. I, it was like I was showing off. It was awful. But I was like, in my brain, I was like, if I can pull this off, I'm going to get the attention that I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next thing I know, I'm getting brought into the guidance counselor's office. She's asking me if I'm okay. I was getting all the pity from the school nurse. That's exactly who, what you wanted. And, um, Be careful what you wish for. I'm really proud of myself, right? Like, I walk into the, into the house, and I'm in the best mood. My mom's like, how was school today? I'm like... It was good. <laughs> it was great. Everybody felt bad for me. And that's exactly what I and wanted. And my mom goes along the same lines as, as Gina is, you know, Morgan, I got a lot of voicemails today saying how sorry they are about my nephew. I'm like, okay, I got this. I'll fix it tomorrow, mom. All I needed was a little attention. I got it. I'll fix it. Yeah. I go into school the next day and I tell everyone that they found him making out with college girls <laughs> on a college campus. <laughs> Like, my mind was, like, I had such an imaginative mind, but, like, how the hell did I know that this was, how did I think of that? that? Where did I, I see that? 
MTV? I, I don't know. Probably. I don't know. I, I mean, I think that's one of those things you touched on. If, when you're a creative person and you have an imaginative mind, of course, when I, I remember even writing papers on English books or history, and I would always kind of creatively change it to what I wanted it to be. And I think that often when you're a creative person, you see the world through that lens. Mm -hmm. And so things that might be factual you always kind of put your creative spin on it because you see things in different shades taylor swift always talks about it she views things as colors mm -hmm. red kanye purple, west pink skies. yeah kanye does it yeah. they see some shades of blue and um you know sometimes you whether you're a writer or a comedian or even just at work you put stuff out there into the universe even a kid in school and and your perception of it might be different than how it actually happened mm -hmm. and where that gets you in trouble right is Again, it's misconstrued. Ways. It's yeah, misconstrued. misconstrued. Unless we're just full out fabricating <laughs> and lying. I mean, <laughs> I think what goes to show for the both of us is that we're good storytellers. Mm. That's an art form. It's truly an art form. And our next guest yeah. is truly the epitome of the art form of storytelling. Yeah. Who had some of his creative writing completely turned upside down mm -hmm. on its head. And he was kind of hashtag canceled. Right. Um, we have Francis Ellis comedian songwriter extraordinaire yeah. i saw him doing stand-up at gotham uh and he was yeah. infamously fired from barstool because of this article yeah. that he wrote and he was able to talk to us and tell the compelling story about how he kind of built the building blocks back up yeah and we love a good comeback story don't <laughs> we especially from somebody like francis <laughs> so cute <laughs> i met you in the bathroom at Gotham Comedy Club while we were washing our hands. Oh my God, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I remember that now, downstairs. Downstairs in that old back room, grimy and fun. So what, um, do you guys remember each other's like first impressions of one another? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I was- you, Anthony? <laughs> yeah, I thought Francis was hot. Yeah. I was like, he's my type. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought I was impressed that Anthony was washing his hands too. I mean, that's just right off the bat. Yeah. A lot about somebody. So when was this? Pre-corona. Yeah, I was gonna say he was practicing for COVID. Bingo. Yeah. Definitely yeah. pre-coronavirus. Awesome. But you know, Francis is an amazing uh, comedian, actor, and writer, and he hosts Oops the podcast. And uh, he's known for incorporating piano into his comedy. Which, Which we I all love. Love. Bio. <laughs> how did you learn how to play uh, piano? Were you doing it your whole life, or was that kind of like a um, later in life thing? I, I I played when I was a kid and and took lessons, you know, begrudgingly as a kid, and then I uh, stopped and started trying to play the guitar, and then I actually came back to the piano on my own. And when I did that, I started to like it a lot more. Nice. Who would, I mean, nice. I would not have known that it would, it would turn into a valuable sort of professional skill for me because, you know, the piano I play on stage is, is pretty rudimentary. So, uh, but it works out. Have you ever <laughs> written a song about an ex? Uh, I have. Yeah. But it was, it was kind of loosely based on an ex. It was more, you know, I, I took some serious liberties because it was about, it was, I wrote a song that, you know, was like an RSVP to an ex inviting me to their wedding. Oh my God, oh. that's funny. And it's, uh, it becomes very hateful and uh, kind of evil. So it's pretty, it's pretty dark. 
Well, as your bio tells us, and as I saw at Gotham, you do have a dark sense of humor. But he loves us. And you you love (laughs) us. Right. That's right. Yeah, I I think I like, uh, I don't know. It's just sort of, it's it's not that I like think dark stuff is necessarily the funniest. I guess that's just how I I end up writing a lot of my jokes, unfortunately, for better or for worse. You know, I'd love to be more lighthearted, but I don't have it in me, you know? <laughs> yeah, it just sounds like you're very realistic. I feel like that's where a lot of dark humor comes. It's like very like point blank, mm-hmm. matter of fact, realistic. Yeah, you know, getting getting fired last year was a pretty uh, pretty wild thing. I, just the typical shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is the key word is shit, a shit show. Yeah, shit show. And you kind of, you know, we we did not know a lot about Oops! The Podcast. So we were reading about it. And I was saying, wow, we might be sued for copyright Oops. infringement because <laughs> they're very similar. Oops. I do think. Yeah, I mean, listen, every podcast at this point has been made. So, yeah, you know, birds of a feather, you know, who I'm sure we're all kind of copying each other. Like, yeah, in a little bit. Well, we're all going through life. Like, what do you expect? Derivative in and of itself at this point. So, yeah. don't worry. <laughs> well, I think there is a little bit of a fine line between an oops and a shit show. But it's also the perspective that you look at it as. So do you think that getting fired was more of like an oops moment in your head as a compartmentalization? Or were you like, geez, this is a fucking shit show right now? Well, I think it started as an oops, as a mistake. Um, And then it very quickly became a shit show. Um, I think what, what, what happens is that, you know, a lot of the times you, when you write every day or you tweet every day, you're putting stuff out there and you grow, grow a, a, fo- a following or you're working at a place that has a pretty good size audience. Sometimes you just totally forget that anyone is reading or listening to you and you're kind of just like speaking into a void. Because unlike stand up or live performance, you're not seeing the reactions of people in real time. Yeah, that's so true. So like I would go into my old work and and just sit down and open up my laptop and type. And it's like, that's as far as it got for me to the point that like when people in the street would tell me they liked what I did, I'd be like, wait, where'd you, where'd you find that? You know, like, how did you, you know, it it was surreal. It was always surreal to me that anybody was reading what I was doing. Um, They take interest and they want to, yeah, there's obviously. Yeah. So there's a, a, a res- there's power and, and, and also responsibility that comes with that because you have to remember, you can't just say whatever the hell you want. Um, and you never really know what's going to get you in trouble because I had pissed people off with stuff I'd written up to that point, but it was so different every time that it was, it would have been impossible to say like, well, that the pattern of behavior, like I should have known better, you know, I'd gotten in trouble. Yeah. Palestine and 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 saying I, I believed in a two-state solution for Israel, which you know, it's like how I, I don't know anything or or me saying that Christine Blasey Ford provided compelling testimony against Brett Kavanaugh, like the things that I was getting people angry at me for were so fucking different every time that yeah I never like learned my standard. lesson, you know? and then finally. Yeah writing about a girl who, you know, unfortunately tragically passed away. I didn't know she was dead when I wrote about her. And so 
that's what broke. That was the, that was the final straw, I guess. And it's like, okay. So now I know not to write about dark situations, but it's like, yeah, I'm never going to make that mistake again. doesn't mean I'm not going to get fired from my next job for something totally different, you know? Yeah. Was there like a jarring moment where you were like, because obviously it went from like a, well, oops, didn't mean to do that. Now it's a shit show moment. Were you like, geez, this is the one after all the shit that I've written in the past. This is the one that it's finally happening. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I remember I was I was recording a musical thing with uh, there's like there was like an in-house band of guys at the company and I was doing some music with them at a music studio and I started to get texts from my boss being like why did you do this you know from now on you can't publish anything without having it be looked at by someone else right I was like "Ah, I feel like I'm in this is this is worse than usual and then the guys I was with who you know were pretty senior people at the company they were like don't worry about it dude you're gonna be fine it's no big deal and then later that evening, I got the call from my boss being like, we, we have to fire you. And I was oh, like, my God. How jarring. Point, yeah. By that point, I was, I was like pretty I, – I, I was kind of expecting it. Um, and so that then – so, so it wasn't really that shocking to me. But what was shocking was when all these news outlets – big news outlets started reaching out and asking me to like contribute to their coverage of the story of, of why I had done this and like why, and me being fired. And I couldn't, I couldn't fathom why the Washington post cared about me. Right. Or, you know, and, and, and to, you know, obviously they probably care more about the company, but like, why did like I felt I felt so insignificant and so I had said to another coworker of mine <laughs> very presciently like a week earlier that if I were to ever get fired from from Barstool oh my god yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't affect if the, if Barstool had been a publicly traded company it wouldn't affect the stock price whatsoever I felt very insignificant there yeah and I remember this kid being like nah dude I think if you got fired people would people would notice and I was like no dude it wouldn't matter at all. It must be so interesting just writing stories and being a writer and then all this writing about all these stories and all of a sudden becoming the story. Yeah, like that is like a crazy, drawing. crazy shift. Yeah. Well, what's, what's weird too is that you watch as like the internet starts to play this crazy game of opinion tug of war where they start saying like, you know, I think he meant this or like psychoanalysis. I, and then someone else is like, no, he's a monster for this. And someone else is like, it's a simple mistake. Like you could do it too. And then they start fighting. And everyone thinks that they know who you are based on right. a piece of work you put out. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, if a painter, I mean, this is a crazy parallel, but if a painter put out a piece of art that was like violent and you know, provocative, but edgy and and maybe offensive to some people or over the line, would we, you know, who, who, who has the right to say like, what was intended by that artist? You know, I feel like in a room, 20 different people are seeing something different with that painting. And it's like in the eyes of the beholder at that point. Yeah. So 
it's not, you know, once you put it out there, it's no longer yours. It's like, not oh my your God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're giving your a little piece of yourself away. And then you even think about the, you know, thousands of insignificant interactions, like running into Anthony Lario in the bathroom <laughs> at Gotham. And it's like, I'm, I remember that morning hearing what happened. I was at the shore and I was like, I, this dude's like my buddy from the bathroom. Like right. I, cause we were both recording at Sirius earlier that day. And I was like, this kid was funny. Like he was cool. Um, but I also say that very frequently it's in the eye of the beholder. And, but once you put your art out there, it truly is not yours anymore. And I think writing obviously is art. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you come from an angle of satire or comedy, you're not, you weren't being a journalistic perspective on what the situation, um, what was your like main takeaway after obviously probably been asked this question a million and five times, but there has to be, I guess, something significant. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think that I had a few thoughts. One was that I probably shouldn't have been operating without the oversight of an editor. Uh, you know, for, for a company that size, I just think it's like, they knew, I mean, they knew that I was always swinging, like whatever I did, I was going to go down swinging at pitches. So uh, sometimes I would connect and sometimes I would miss, but I was always trying to hit a home run and everything I did there. And what happens is sometimes when you really miss the mark, you, you miss big. And yeah. um I had, you know, I had, I had kind of earned the right to publish my own work because I'd, I, I had kind of had like a falling out with the editor in chief um, and the, the people who ran the company didn't seem to think that he should be looking at my work anymore because he was holding it back and it felt right. like personal reasons. And so from that day on, I had the right to publish my own work, which, you know, was what I wanted, but like ultimately probably led to my downfall because if, if I, I know for a fact, if the editor in chief had looked at what I had written as a draft, he would have been like, are you out of your mind? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this. So, you know, in a way he would have saved me. So it's like, you, you be careful what you wish for. I was just going to say, be careful what you wish for. And a couple of other anecdotes, but I'm like forgetting them right now. <laughs> well, did you laugh after? I mean, I feel like sometimes there's that initial blow to the gut and you're like, okay. And then I think people who inherently always defer back to comedy, it's like, you have to laugh, I guess, at some point. Yeah. Like, are you able to laugh and look back and kind of laugh at yourself? And I wasn't, I wasn't really able to take a breath um let alone laugh until it became clear to me that my career wasn't over um because you know what had happened was i in order to succeed at that company i had felt like i really needed to not hold back whatsoever like i needed to to fully give myself to the character that I was creating to sort of blur the line between my personal life and what I was putting out to have people guessing like, is this real? Is this like, you know, um, reality versus, versus fiction. And, 
And once you do that, you, it, it becomes hard to find, to, to maintain bridges back to a normal life. And what I mean yeah. by that, is like I used to tutor, I ran a tutoring company before I worked at Barstool and about a year into working at Barstool, I made a conscious decision of like, if I continue to write or make work where even if I were to get fired by Barstool, I, would st- I could still go back to tutoring and stand up and whatever, um, I was never going to succeed as much as I wanted to. And so from like that day forward, I started writing edgier and edgier stuff. And basically like, you know, in war, they call it burning the ships. It's like if an invading army arrives on the beaches and they burn their own ships so that they have no means of retreat and it effectively motivates them to fight harder, I guess. Oh my God. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Yeah. That is amazing. So I burned, I, I quote, quote, burned the ships and started writing about like my mental health issues, my masturbation habits, my right. day life, whatever it was. And any parent of a seventh grader who needs like test prep work would have been like, this guy is not suited to work with my kid at all. Right. And that was when I actually did start getting better and better. But what happened was when I got fired, I thought, okay, so now I have no route back to another life. There's no way to go back to tutoring or to go to law. No law school would accept mm-hmm. me, something like that. Is, am I too toxic even for comedy? Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. For this wow. I am in. And it was about two or three, you know, first of all, like, my manager and my agent immediately called me and they were like, we still love you. We're not dropping you. This will blow over. That's and a if, relief. Yeah. yeah. If you look at like what happened with Chris D'Elia or some other people, Louis CK, yeah. you know, one of the first years that their agents dropped them or their managers dropped them. And so that was a big vote of confidence for me mm-hmm. uh, because those guys know better than I do. And right. so they stuck with me. And then I started getting job offers and kind of realizing, oh, I could go back to work really quickly. Um, And then I was like, ah, okay, this isn't so bad. My life isn't over. And uh, that that was, I think that was like three or four days after. Yeah. So I think at that point you were like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to, I have to really do it. Yeah. Go full throttle. And you still had people to back you up and that believed in you. So that kind of gave you probably like a little push. Yeah. And Francis, I think something cool that you touched on too, like comics do have a stigma attached to them that they're either messed up or they had a fucked up childhood and all these kind of dangerous mental health stigmas. And did you feel like maybe that conversation was inflamed after what happened? Um, do, do you mean that people might have pointed to that as a, a reason that I had done what I did? Yeah, or even the idea that, like, yeah, I guess that that is what it is. Or like, even just, the, like, being in the industry, do you find that that stigma is still, like, pretty relevant? Like, 
what are your thoughts on totally. kind of all totally. of it? Yeah. yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all kind of fucked up. We're all up. shit shows. It's okay. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> so, so, did you guys see the movie Spotlight about the Catholic... Oh, uh, yeah. Well, so I live in Boston and I live near BC High School, like where I guess it took place. I've never seen it, but it's a good movie. one of my ex-boyfriends always wanted to watch it. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah, that would make me disturbed. <laughs> it's more about, you know, the investigation, I think, from the Boston Globe. I think that was the paper who uncovered the story. Maybe it was Washington Post. It's more about the investigation into the sexual assault from the priesthood to, to children. And they kind of uncover so many cases that they start to say, well, this is more than a coincidence. This is a, this is a pattern. And therefore there must be some kind of psychological link between, you know, being a Catholic priest and molesting children. Um, And I think that there, I don't, I'm surprised almost that there hasn't been a study yet between the field of stand-up comedy and depression because so prevalent and and so many comedians talk about it that you know either everyone feels like they need to wear that flag almost to be like part of the group which would be really sad or it is as rampant as people are saying and and then why does this field you know, is it a chicken or egg thing? It's like, why does this feel the trap? I was going to say just that. We were just saying yeah, that. Just it's interesting. I feel like. Or do they come in and then become depressed? Right. Because so. of the, yeah, the industry. I don't know. Well, there's a reason why a clown is always depicted with a little teardrop or yeah. so many song lyrics. You, you know, they correlate the clown often to being at the end of the day, the show pony or the joke of the party. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing, you know, you love telling jokes. There's nothing kind of worse than being that ultra depressive butt of the joke and not even in a self-deprecating way in the way that you're like, oh, okay, I am the clown now. And here are my tambourines. Yeah, and it's almost it's like not- the only emotion that you can kind of resort to where you don't necessarily, where you may not get hurt. Like you're able to laugh at yourself. I don't know. Now, do you feel sure. like you laugh at the same humor that you create? It's a good question. No, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I think that for me, what, doing standup for 10 years, you, you, you sit through so many sets ahead of you and after you. And I, I, it's, it's a rare moment where I'm waiting to perform and I hear someone else ahead of me say something where I start laughing for real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Evaluation competitive standpoint. That's true. Well, so what makes you laugh, do you think? I think things that are different. Things where I can't imagine I can't connect the dots between my own sense of humor or my own process and what someone else is saying. And um I think there, you know, for me, that's like a combination of, of things. It could just be someone else has a, a totally different worldview or, or verbiage or style, or they're doing what I'm doing, but they have such a higher mastery of it than I do that I just have to admire them. Like Bill Burr, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 whether I realize it or not, I'm always trying to emulate him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's like my idol and, and yet, and a lot of my humor, you, you might be able to hear echoes of it, but he's just so much better than I am 
that for me, I could, I could hear, I could hear us do our own versions of the same joke. And I would still laugh a hundred times out of a hundred at his and not laugh at all at mine. That's so interesting. I remember sitting in the audience listening to you and I think that you're hilarious because I I do like that dark comedy. But for me, it's like the same thing. Things that, and I can't tell if it's a competitive nature within me that I'm like, I just don't think that's funny. But I also have a hard time finding people that I'm attracted to funny, which is probably the top. People think that gays can't be toxic masculine, but they can be. (laughs) And so I think it goes back to the stigma. People think women aren't funny. It's like, well, just because you want to fuck them doesn't mean they're not funny. So I'm watching Francis and I was like, I'm objectifying him a little bit. (laughs) And he's not making me laugh as hard because I like him. You know, I appreciate it. I... People have mentioned this to me before. Like people have straight up told me, and this is going to sound so ridiculous, but like I love it. People have flat out told me like you're too attractive to be a comedian. No way! And how does that make you feel? I've had someone say, "Oh, you're too pretty to smoke a cigarette." Oh, that's I'm disgusting. like, shut up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that bothered me. So it's not the same I, thing, but I think it's just like, unfortunately, I think it's usually people say that as a as a crutch for their own insecurity because it's almost like saying you know this realm of comedy belongs to us the mm. overweight the you know the the the, the listless the unmotivated like unattractive people you know we dress down and we give up on ourselves as a way of so they i don't overcompensate know overcompensate by being yeah or funny. just like being funny or whatever yeah and you know ultimately I feel like there are plenty of attractive comedians who are historical, like so many women. Whitney Cummings is, is gorgeous. I was just going to say her. I love her. Uh, you, you know, there's so many people. And then like, you know, Anthony Jeselnik's a good looking dude. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's plenty, you can plenty, plenty of examples. Um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is gorgeous. Right. Uh, one of the most successful like comedians of all time. Yeah. So, I don't know, Sydney Washington. I mean, the list goes on and on. I, yeah. There, there, I don't, it just comes down to like, you know, maybe, maybe if you're not quite as funny looking, your jokes have to be tighter, I guess, would be what I would say. You're yeah, that sucks. That's kind of sad. Yeah, it's really sad. Now, do you feel like when you, because um, we talked about this earlier with the piano, so when you're kind of coping with whether it's coming out of a ship show or one of your oops moments, um, do you find yourself... Re- resorting to comedy more or more so the musicality of it do you sit at the piano how which outlet do you kind of go for um you know i i have this kind of feeling of uh that stand-up comedy is supposed to be just a person on a stage with a microphone talking to the audience and that that is like the most pure boiled down version of the art art form i guess Um, and for a long time, I actually struggled to reconcile that puritanical view of it with incorporating my songs because I felt like I was doing almost like bringing magic into it, like a, a, a parlor trick or something. And it was all smoke and mirrors. And, and ultimately you realize that a song's not funny unless it's well-written too, you know, like I have to rewrite jokes within songs the same way that I rewrote jo- jokes with my spoken stuff. The tricky thing is is finding a way for the act to flow 
where it's like it makes sense to go from standing up and telling a joke to sitting back down and, and at the piano and playing a song and you know finding a way to like but I think Bo Burnham really does a brilliant job of that it's all just like it, it feels like a cohesive show um and I'm something I'm still working on to this day for sure yeah right. Bo Burnham is fabulous at that and mm-hmm. he is one of, and he's definitely he's cute and he kind of <laughs> yeah. does it all at the same time I think at the end of the day um all these kind of shit show and oop stories are the only reasons that we create art at the end of the day it's the only reason we make jokes it's mm-hmm. the only reason we end up writing music at the end of the day so you know that hangover anxiety feeling that you get uh and you're just kind of looking back at everything and, and you feel the need almost to text people in your phone that you were with the night before and be like hey if i did something you know whatever does did you does that embarrassment kind of wear off after what happened with you at barstool and did you constantly feel the need to like shine a light on it in every new conversation that you had? I want to know how you kind of grew from that. I mean, that's a great question. You know, my whole experience there from working there for two and a half years and, and, and reading, you know, feedback from internet trolls that, you know, just makes you feel so worthless or all, you know, up to my firing where prominent news outlets, painted me as a monster you just kind of feel so shell-shocked from it all that you you become very numb um and I'm not saying like thick skin or anything I just think uh unfortunately like my a lot of my sensitivities have been have been worn down to to the bone and and I don't it takes a lot to like move me in either direction. Now <laughs> I feel like a shell in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. you just, you know, there are so many, so many times where you can, you know, kind of just be kicked to the ground and like dust yourself off before you're like, all right, I'm just going to fucking, I can't care anymore. It, it sucks too much. So, uh, you burned the ships, you did yeah. it. Yeah. And now exactly. here you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I, I don't, I think, I think that, that that's my answer is like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel a whole lot in either direction. <laughs> and, and especially now, you know, you know, what's crazy is oh like, I, I could post on my Instagram one day, a political rant about how much I hate Donald Trump or how much I hate Joe Biden. And it's going to piss off a lot of people and people are going to come at me in the comments. I'll probably even get some death threats in my DMS a a week later or a week before I could post a picture of my family arm in arm happy. And that's, and that's also for not as many, but it's going, you'll see people who are like, fuck you for bragging about your perfect family. Like my parents died when I was a kid, you know, why are you rubbing this in my face? It doesn't matter anymore. So, you know, you realize you're never going to win. Therefore, there's no point in engaging with these people. And so what I'll end up doing is very occasionally, I'll just pick my spots and I will dive in for my own entertainment. Yeah, well, I was going to say that's where you do win, though, Francis, I think is in those moments where you are shooting down those ships and the, the moments where you realize I'm never going to win. That's the biggest feat that there is at the end of the day. Yeah, I think then you're just unapologetically kind of yourself and that's freedom in itself. 
Yeah, I think I think in general there's just no winning. The second the second you respond to anything on the internet, whether it's you a can. comment or a tweet or whatever, you, you just these people who think that they they are somehow making a difference or that they're going to teach the other side. It's like there's so much narcissism in that. To me, there's so much arrogance in thinking that what you have to say is going to change someone else's opinion, unless you're a, like a, a genuine authority on that subject or, you know, a really brilliant person who's recognized for their thoughts on the matter. But that's not who these people are. Well, Francis, it's so fabulous seeing you during this, uh, you know, whole crazy time that we're in. And I'm yeah. happy that a bathroom run-in with some commonalities led us back over a year later yeah. hanging out on the internet i'm so awesome. glad you guys asked me to do this thank you very much it's, uh it's an honor to be here with you and best of yeah. luck podcast. i think one of the most authentic things that he was i think all of it was authentic but when he was talking about just sinking all of the ships mm-hmm. i love and, that analogy yeah because loose lips sink ships all the damn time Ooh. and uh this is becoming a partial taylor swift podcast because that was a taylor swift <laughs> lyric. Okay. But uh, I guess like we're we're learning that people do learn from their experiences and their mistakes and their shit shows. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that they necessarily change for the better. And I think that's something that we also have to be on the lookout for because we can say that we've changed all we want. Um, and well, that it's we almost have... it's it's like sorry to mean to cut you off, no, but it's no. not always lateral, like growing yeah. laterally. It's growing outwards or. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like when you grow, like you think you're gonna grow up. <laughs> but you're saying you grow out. <laughs> Like, in space. <laughs> like, you don't, like, growing does not necessarily mean. <laughs> I know what you're trying to say, but trying to say but yeah it doesn't you mean know what yes up. it was very introspective <laughs> um oh jesus i think it is one of those things that it made me very sad and like i'm glad that he like told us that mm-hmm. but it made me sad to like think of him like walking down the street and like kind of that because you know he's just like kind of a normal guy who like yeah, got totally. into this and he's very musical and i think that one of the um craziest things was like his realization that he's like walking down the street and somebody could be like hey i know you from that Mm -hmm. or somebody could be like hey like you're the guy who was canceled right or it's also because he was he is artistic Mm -hmm. like in terms of storytelling and like being a comic and writing songs he likes his work but he artists don't necessarily think that other people are gonna also like their work yes and because it's all up for interpretation it's flattery it's shock there's a lot of different emotions that probably go through his head when someone random comes up on you know comes up to him on the street um it's unbelievable yeah i mean he is the type of person too that i think has like inner struggling already with insecurity like i remember when we were washing our hands in the bathroom and he was like 
hey, how was that? Like he was, he wanted to know how his yeah. set was at Gotham. And, and I think that when, you know, artists, perfectionists. Yeah. But it's also so multifaceted. And I guess, as you said, growing outward, um, because what ends up happening is you create this work, right? But it's all from inside of you and mm -hmm. it's meant to be shared. So you already have the sensitivity component that helps you create work. And then when you put it out there, you're also sensitive about the reaction. But what he was right. saying was he got so used to just writing, putting it out, writing it, putting it and out, then, writing yeah. it, putting it out, that and he became desensitized. Yeah, well, then he also became the story. Like, yeah, that's a crazy, the crazy story. shift, like I said. And... Um, artists are so hypercritical and they're perfectionists like they want to make sure that you know it's you know almost perfect they work their whole lives to think of these concepts um but that i think is an expression of how they feel about themselves like being a person like maybe they're hypercritical totally. of like who they are so totally well that's what happens at the end of the day and most of the times and most of francis's humor is like pretty self-deprecating as it is mm -hmm. so i'm sure there was probably some guilt in him like writing this article about this girl yeah. who ended up being dead and he didn't know it right. and um you know be careful what you wish for he, he wanted he, he wanted know, freedom yeah. he got it and, and he ran with it yeah but even as successful as he is now as you know his podcast is amazing he still is not at that place internally of like being okay he's still numb right and whether that's on purpose as a defense mechanism or as a result of what happened I mean, I feel like I've built up a thick skin over the years, but I in no way, shape or form am numb. Right. Um, I feel too much, if that makes sense. I Aww. just have thick enough of a skin that I know how to compartmentalize it more. Mm -hmm. At Definitely. least I pretend to. Anthony is a cancer, so he is of the sign of feeling. Yeah, well, cancer with uh, Scorpio rising and Leo moon. So it's very complicated. Very complicated. You're a Leo by nature. I'm a Leo. Leo, Leo, Leo very leo anyway well, hopefully we learned from that <clears throat> definitely i know that the main takeaway that i took is that i hope i never get to a point where i'm just fully numb because that's one of my biggest fears is being a numb person my biggest takeaway i think from francis's interview was the power of being able to bounce back yeah um and i mean i've said this before but not asking like why me why me yes he made a huge mistake but mm. just like what's next because yeah. he's not a bad person and and that's unfortunate that you know trolls made him out to be that way because it's just not the case yeah but also giving validity to the people who were hurt by it yes. as well yes, you have absolutely. to give validity to people who were hurt and absolutely. so i think when you can find a combination of all of the above that's where we find the beauty in what's next also, what's next for the people who are affected by totally. the art or these words that are put out there? Yeah. We have to constantly think that, yeah, sometimes we are the star of the shit show, but we also have to realize that we may just be victims of somebody else's oh, shit show. what an interesting thing to think about. Sometimes you are the star of the shit show. Sometimes you're just a part of somebody else's storyline. Yeah. And how does that really affect them? Yeah, sometimes shit shows have ripple effects. Oh, that's deep, Morgan. <laughs> sometimes you just hit it with that. Boom. Uh. You go deep. Uh, uh, uh. Well, what's next for us? What's next is something that you can do after listening to this. Okay, I know what's next. <laughs> you know it's You're good at saying I it. I know. What? What is it? All you guys have to do next is subscribe. Subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. Um, we love 
hearing the comments that we've been getting, positive reinforcement. Yeah, because that's it's what a positive we live community. for is positive reinforcement. <laughs> and we, a five-star rating, please. Yeah, five-star. Leave your five-star review. And also, like, let us know what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. If you leave a five-star review, tell us what you want to hear next. And um, to tell us what, really what you think. And somewhere yeah. you can always contact us and we'll check your DMs. Is um, You can find me on Instagram at Anthony Lariel, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-L-A-R-I-O. I don't know how to say my last name. No, that Do you know it. that? Is Lario. it Lario or Lario? I don't know how to say, say my own Lario. name. I say Lario. Now, everybody, uh, everybody from our area where we grew up says Lario, but people who I know from like all walks of life say Lario. Lario. Like, well, what do you like from better? College. I don't know. Lario is like a Mr. Lario. Mr. I like Lario. that. Mr. Yeah, Lario, like come too. down to the lobby, Mr. Lario. <laughs> but Larry, can... Larry's Lario. <laughs> come, Mr. Lario. Hey, it's Mr. Lario on the line. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at morg, M O R G underscore Lamata, L A M O T T A. And yes, we want to interact with you guys because I think Anthony's getting a little sick of just interacting with me. Mm. I could never get sick I know, of I'm just kidding. <laughs> just been a long couple of days. The shit show. <laughs> yeah, that was a shit show. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.